Welcome to The Waggle, the official podcast of the Canadian Football League. That's right. Welcome once again to The Waggle podcast brought to you by us here at the CFL and CFL.ca and me, your boy, Donovan Bennett. And finally, we got some compelling ends to our game, some crazy comebacks in fourth quarters, a couple intriguing onside kicks and some real movement in the standings both in the east and west we're going to talk to a guy who's been burning defenders in the west and across the league all year lucky whitehead he was in the game winnipeg versus bc on friday facing his old teammates took a big shot and unfortunately that game didn't end the way he wanted as he ended it on the sideline injured But first, we're going to talk about the health of the playoff races in both the East and the West, including Lucky Whitehead's BC Lions and some teams that maybe we shouldn't have written off out East coming back and making some noise. We go cover three across the league with Pat Steinberg next on The Waggle. It's cover three where we tap into the expertise, the knowledge, the wisdom, the perspective of Pat Steinberg to talk about the three things that we think should be covered this week. And I think we're now covering more teams than I thought we would be at this time last week. Because I thought a couple teams' seasons were over. But that might not be the case, Pat. Should we be believers in the Stamps or the Owls or the Red Blacks after a crazy week with a couple crazy finishes? Well, I think that at the very least, you're talking about three results from week nine that, that kept at, at, at worst kept seasons alive. And, and I think that you can make an argument depending on what happens in, in week 10 and beyond, but you can make an argument that, you know, we, we probably saw a few seasons turned around or at the very least saved for the time being. Like if you Calgary, Calgary's win over Saskatchewan and the fact that BC lost to Winnipeg, like we're talking about the entire playoff picture for the Stampeders looking completely different. They now all of a sudden are just a win back or a game back of the BC Lions. They've got two head-to-head meetings down the stretch with BC. They're two games back at Saskatchewan. They've got two more head-to-head games with the Riders before the end of the month. So you look at it, you're like, geez, if they lose that game, and we're going to talk about Montreal in a second, but if they lose that game, Montreal ends up winning in week nine as well. Now they're way back a second. They're still two back of BC, regardless of the Lions result, and they're looking up at Montreal in the crossover conversation. That's a steep uphill climb with only a few games left. They would have six games left in the season. Now they're right back in it. Plus, Bolivar Mitchell, especially in that first quarter into the second quarter, looked way more like the quarterback that we're used to. So I I think there's a lot of things that you can take from that week nine win at McMahon Stadium and say, okay, maybe the Stamps have gotten their season a little bit closer on on track. Like, think about it from Montreal standpoint. If Montreal, by the way, I can't remember a game where one team with their season – 
if if their season wasn't on the line, it was teetering on being on the line. And I can't remember uh, a game where, with the stakes that high, a team avoided disaster and stared down and and beat adversity as many times as Montreal did. With Vernon Adams going down in the first quarter and eventually returning, and they were down by two touchdowns. And even after getting their offense on track, uh, Adams throws an interception. They are able to get the ball back, and this time they drive to take the lead and then somehow Hamilton gets into position and nails a 55-yard field goal into the wind to send this thing to overtime like Montreal just kept on dodging bullets and eventually were able to uh were able to get themselves into a spot to win the football game on that Hamilton turnover they were finally given something good but Montreal would have been had they lost that game they would have been two and five they would have been looking up at Calgary they would have been tied with Ottawa they would have been way back of Hamilton in the conversation now they're only a win back of the Tiger Cats in their funnel head-to-head meeting. Uh, they they are in a situation where their playoff outlook is that much rosier. And crucially, they kept Calgary behind them in the crossover conversation. And then and then Ottawa. Like I DJ, I think I think the the Red Blacks that win over Edmonton to start the week on Tuesday. They've got three games left with Montreal, and those three head-to-head games with the Alouettes, plus a game with Calgary, the two teams that they're kind of in this playoff conversation with, even at two and five, the Red Blacks still have life, and they found something pretty cool in uh, a brand new quarterback that nobody was expecting to do anything. And Caleb Evans comes out. He was dynamic. He was explosive. And aside from the standings implication, I don't know. It's one game. But and I I don't make definitive uh, decisions or opinions on one game, especially at quarterback. But if Caleb Evans can be their answer or their permanent guy, even for the rest of the season, I'm not talking about a franchise quarterback. If they can just have one guy at quarterback for the rest of the year, that in and of itself could be a turning point for Ottawa. So I, I thought all three of those results turned fortunes in some form or another and now as we go into week 10 every team in the league has some sort of path to the postseason that you don't have to squint too hard to see and all nine teams in some form or another have control over their own destiny and had Ottawa Calgary and Montreal not won this week I don't know if you could have said the same thing as we go into week 10 at the very least Evans now gives Red Blacks fans a reason to come to the park as it was not fun to watch them on offense, to watch them in person, quite frankly. So there's now a bit of life or energy in in the franchise for the short term. And we'll see if he ends up being the long-term option. Speaking of life, though, you talked about those teams getting some life. I feel the exact opposite about the Elks right now. Now in the basement of the West Division, four points back of the Lions for third. Now, when you talk about potentially the crossover still being played, you're two back of the Stamps. Now even further away from the Owls in the standings because you don't have the head-to-head and you have to have from a West team coming out East in the crossover, a better record uh, than that East team to get that spot. So you're looking up at the Owls in the standings in the crossover as well mm-hmm. Edmonton given the schedule they have left and the way things are playing out with the tiebreakers it's it's not ideal but let's focus 
on the East? Because I actually now don't think there's going to be a crossover. The ma- with the math, with the abbreviated season, I didn't think so. But now Montreal and, and Ottawa showing some life. I definitely don't think so. I don't know really what to make of the cardiac cats. They have yet to show for four quarters that level that they were playing at consistently a year ago in all three phases. The Argos, as we know, have won the offseason, but it's been two steps forward, one steps back at all positions, including quarterback. And I'm not sure who their best quarterback is or if they know who the best quarterback is. Plus, they're implementing a new defense midseason. Who's the best team in the East? Is there one? It's it's one of the it's one of the questions that I've been thinking about a lot when you saw the result from week nine and that crazy Montreal win that we just talked about over Hamilton and you start to think, okay, well who if you right now Toronto's got the best record in the East Division, you're like, Okay, well who is the best team out east? And I think the team with the most explosive offense and the ability to break a game open that that to me is Montreal. When when you've got big play VA, when you've got like Eugene Lewis is turning into a bona fide CFL superstar, you know, PJ Cunningham and, and William Stanback, like you're talking about some of the best playmakers and best offensive players in the CFL. And defensively, give them credit. They they've played really well and they were making big plays at the right time against Hamilton uh, on, on Saturday night. But if I think about who the best defense is, when I when I think about that that secondary and Simone Lawrence at linebacker and the, the the best defensive line in the CFL or one of the two best defensive lines in the CFL, uh, I think Hamilton's got the best defense in the East Division, and I think they've got the the most complete unit there. So. I think Montreal's the most explosive offense. I think Hamilton at their best is clearly the best defense in the East. But when I just take a look at who's been the most steady, who's been the most consistent, I think I think you got to lean towards Toronto. They they have I know they've had some uh, instability and some in and out at quarterback and, and we don't know to your point who the best quarterback is in Toronto right now, but they've just been steady. They've implemented a solid game plan and you know they've been relatively competitive in two of their losses, even their last loss against Saskatchewan. I know that it kind of got away from them, but there were some stretches where you're like, "Oh yeah, Toronto's still in this thing." That that was a really impressive win uh heading into the bye over montreal they've got ottawa uh coming up and and you know you just think about it you're like maybe toronto is the best team or the very least they're the team that has had the least wild swings and knowing how crazy the swings have been for montreal and hamilton having that maybe closer to flat line on the old line graph might be the might be the ticket to them being the best team. So, uh, do I know who the best team is in the East Division? Maybe not, but I think you can make the the a pretty solid argument that Toronto, at the very least, is the most consistent or the most steady team, which right now is pretty important. So, full disclosure: we are taping this on Monday afternoon, and this conversation will either make a lot of sense or no sense, depending on when you're listening to this podcast because we have a beautiful CFL week of football where there are five games for us this Thanksgiving weekend and 
two East teams, the, the teams we talked about at the top and bottom of the division, play twice. So this could change drastically over the next seven days. On Wednesday, Ottawa goes to Toronto. Then in the East specifically, on Monday, Ottawa goes to Montreal and Toronto goes to Hamilton. So you've got a real chance that the next time we talk, the East could be as clear as mud if uh, those games get split or if you know Ottawa happens to win or lose to or Toronto happens to win too. We could see some real separation in the East standings, which might give us a much more definitive answer. In between that East football sandwich this week, we have on Friday, Edmonton goes to Winnipeg, and on Saturday, Calgary goes to Saskatchewan. We should maybe end the conversation with Winnipeg because it is clear who the best team in the West is, no matter actually what happens this week. It is Winnipeg, outscoring opponents 68-6 to in fourth quarters. Specifically, that defense is so menacing. Six quarterback sacks, two forced fumbles, five knockdowns uh, last week. And oh, guess what? Four of Winnipeg's six remaining games are against Edmonton and Montreal. Teams that have struggled uh, thus far, um, obviously along with Ottawa. Who can stop winnipeg at this point i don't know I, like honestly they are so much better than everybody else right now and the the head-to-head matchups it, it flesh it out like head-to-head they beat probably the team that a lot of people would suggest is kind of the the challenger to that throne in saskatchewan they handily beat them twice and did it on back-to-back weekends, which is not easy to do in this league. And it wasn't just like, it wasn't like a last-second field goal or a miracle last-minute drive. Like, they comprehensively beat Saskatchewan twice. And what they did against a really good BC Lions team on Friday night was downright terrifying. They're, even the one area where they were eh, kind of struggling in was perfect as they were able to nail all three of their field goals with Ali Mortada. And, and you're like you're thinking to yourself you're like okay this team is at, at almost as we enter the second half of the season almost flawless dj and i don't it's it would be an absolute stunner if it's the two and five elks that end up stopping them this week knowing how things have gone in edmonton and and how things are going in winnipeg like for edmonton to go on the road and win at ig field would be an absolute stunner the only thing that i could see is a winnipeg team getting a little bit too comfortable but i don't get the sense from them zach caleros with another 400 plus yard game and he continues to cement himself as the front runner in my eyes for mop he threw five incomplete passes have yourself a game kenny lawler more than 200 yards and a touchdown andrew harris was uh, at back to not back to, but continues to look more and more like the, his dynamic self and the guy who is the Grey Cup MVP and, and uh, most valuable Canadian. And and you mentioned it, like six sacks from six different players, the force fumbles. They had, they had Michael Riley confused all game long. I just don't know who knocks Winnipeg off. And come the postseason, it's a different story because postseason football is different. But in the regular season, like it is not close. 
how much better Winnipeg is. And, and and I almost felt bad on the Monday morning quarterback this week. I only gave them a couple of paragraphs. But DJ, what else can you say about these guys? It's almost like they've become they've become the boring team because they're just so good. They're so much better. It's like you're saying the same things about them over and over and over again. And I, I would imagine if you're Mike O'Shea and that team, that's the best compliment that people on the outside could give them is that you're so good, you're boring. Yeah, I mean, and they might be underrated when you look at the numbers they're putting up and you look at their depth chart when they're healthy it's seems like a thousand years ago but they were rolling uh, in 2019 before matt nichols went down and we would always wonder are they good because of matt nichols or are they good despite Matt Nichols Mm -hmm. and we saw them go on that playoff run and because they kind of you know weren't as good down the stretch going into the playoffs we wondered okay well they're underdogs and they beat beat Sask and they're underdogs and they had the performance of their life in the Grey Cup against Hamilton but are they that good they're better now than they were when they won a championship and if you just look at their depth chart Zach Kalaros, obviously, it's his team now. He's the quarterback. I'm not going to say he's the best quarterback in the league, but he's playing the position currently better than anybody in the league. Andrew Harris is probably the best running back in the league in terms of all phases, catching the ball in the backfield, blocking, and obviously running. They've always invested in their offensive line, good, bad, or indifferent. So their offensive line checks out their D-line. Do they have four of the top 10 defensive line players in the league? Probably. They they have the best middle linebacker uh, in the league. Do they have two of the best, 10, three of the best, uh, 15 receivers in the league? Probably. I mean, the question maybe is their kicking game, but it hasn't really mattered. And maybe we're just judging off of such a high standard because – their GM is a former special teams guy. Their head coach is a former special teams guy. And their teams have always been outstanding, and now they're just average. But, yeah, I, I don't find a flaw in them. And, quite frankly, when you look across the roster, they practice best on best all week, and the games to them, it seems like, are easy. It's it's insanity right now. Uh, like, I don't and, – and you mentioned the kicking part. You're right. It didn't matter. They were still winning games without much issue at all, even when they're when they were missing two and three field goals a game. And now, if they found something with Mortada, and all of a sudden he can be uh, a pretty automatic kicker, and and we see more three for three games like what we saw in Week Nine, then there's another uh, another issue that is is just fixed. So yeah, I. Uh, I, I am super impressed with what we have seen from the Winnipeg Blue Bombers and specifically on the regular season front. I just, I, I don't know who's knocking them off. They might lose again. You know, we, we might see them finish at, at you know, 11 and three or something like that. But in terms of the actual separation between them and the rest of the league, I, I don't see that gap closing and barring catastrophe, I think Winnipeg will enter the postseason as the clear-cut Grey Cup favorite. Well, 
one thing I know is that I certainly jinxed them by keeping for them so hard on this podcast. So I'm fully expecting to talk to you now next week and talk about what went wrong when the Elks upset the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. But either way, no matter what happens this week on October the 8th when the Elks play the Bombers in a game that may or may not matter at all for Winnipeg, I, I certainly expect they're going to be hosting a game in Winnipeg when it's super cold in the first week of December uh, because in the first week of October anyways, they're the class of the league. Uh, you are uh, the class of our CFL.ca contributors. Thanks once again for this, Pat. Thanks, DJ. We'll talk next week, man. Lucky Whitehead, Lucky, thank you for taking the time. No problem. Thanks for having me. And I love the name or the nickname, and I want to dive into it how one gets the name lucky but i first want to talk about the fact that this week you're a bit unlucky facing your former team in the bombers definitely as a competitor you want to show out against them in a matchup that is really big in the west and unfortunately you know you take a shot you get hurt um and you, and you hurt your wrist and and i, I saw on twitter that uh surgery's postponed so so how is the wrist and how are you how are you feeling now uh, it's actually my hand. So I broke two bones uh, in my hand. I feel all right. It's kind of numb at this point. <laughs> but, you know, I'm yeah. a little frustrated. Oh, I can I can imagine. Because, you know, you, you come out of the game, you know, it's reported that you're done for the night, but you tried to get back in there and give it a go. You know, what was that uh, process like? And, and how did you you get the sense that you might be able to play and then realize that you wouldn't be able to? Yeah, I mean, I could, I could feel that it wasn't getting any better, so I tried to just take some medicine uh, to just numb the pain, I guess, uh, and, and, and go off adrenaline. Um, but it just wasn't getting any better. Uh, I had a big, a big pad on it. <clears throat> I had taped both my fingers together, uh, so I couldn't really move my fingers. I couldn't move the inside of my hand. The, the pain was just too much. Um, so... Once, once I knew I wasn't effective, I, I had dropped one of the passes on the sideline. I tried to catch it with like one, one hand in my body. I just yeah. I took myself out. With that moment of realization when you had to take yourself out, how frustrating is that? Given it's an important game, you're having a career year, and like everyone, you've waited for well over a year just to get back to playing in this abbreviated season and then you had this hurdle what were the emotions like yeah they were definitely all over the place uh, it was tough uh you could see like the energy just kind of leave my team you know what i mean uh i went to the locker room it was what three to three i came out it was 10 to three next thing you know it was 17 to three it just you know what i mean the storm wasn't stopping uh and I feel like we just had nobody to just take charge. You know I mean, we just needed to play, but it was, you know I mean, that wasn't happening at the time. It just, things just kept happening. Uh, but my emotions definitely got all over the place. Uh, it was hard to watch. So, as you said, two broken bones in the hand. So what's next? What have you heard from the team doctors, from the trainers, from, you know, the medical officials in terms of, what your road to recovery looks like right uh i haven't got a straight up answer to be honest uh i told my head athletic trainer that i would like to be back 
after the Calgary game, so <laughs> in three weeks, I think it is. <laughs> I counted this week as week one, so we'll see how I feel after after surgery. Um, but I told him if I mean if it's sore, then hey, I'm gonna I'm try to get back out there because I can still run. So. <laughs> I mean, you definitely can still run the top off the defense at the very least. <laughs> uh, right. Run as a, as a you know as a decoy for exercise until you get the hand right. But the, the surgery is postponed. But the plan is to still uh, have surgery. Yes, the plan is to have surgery uh, Wednesday. I was actually supposed to be there now, but some things happened. I guess I had to wait, um, so it got postponed. Um, until Wednesday, and then luckily I got the weekend off. We got next week uh, kind of, I know it's a work week for us, but I know I'm going to be out next week, but I'm going to just try to figure it out, fill it out until the pins come out. Well, you certainly figured out the CFL game, and you were you know, a, a great explosive player in Winnipeg, a bit of a gadget player, but in BC, for whatever reason, your game has gone to another level where you're, you know, clearly a number one on an offense with another number one in Burnham. But you know, running the entire route tree, making explosive plays from all over the field, it did did something change for you? Have you you understood the game differently? Are you being utilized differently? What has been the catalyst to your career really taking off? Uh, kind of both. You know, I just. Off-season work, uh, you know, definitely working on my route running to the to the max. Um, and then I just was tired of that role of being a being called a gadget guy. You know what I mean? I knew I could play receiver. I knew I could catch the ball. That wasn't the problem. Uh, it was just the fact being utilized more and, and getting those opportunities to show it. I never had a problem running past someone. <laughs> so I just needed to show that I could catch the deep pass. I can, I can run any route that you give me. You know what I mean? I can get separation, and I find I got that opportunity here, you know. And once I got it during camp, I never, you know, I never look back. You know, I'm a Cowboys fan, so certainly remember you in, in the NFL with them. And your story to me is similar to one of Brandon Banks, a guy who was primarily a returner in the NFL, comes up here in the CFL, and maybe to start, people just pigeonhole you in that role, and then, you find a coordinator, find a quarterback that has some belief in you, and next thing you know, you're playing at an MOP level. You know, Banks has won the award. You were uh, well on your way. Do you see a similar trajectory to you know your career here to what someone like Banks has been able to do? Hundred percent. And it's it's funny because I went to one of Brandon Banks' games because I'm from Virginia, so like I've seen a guy like him play in person. Uh, for years now, you know, and I definitely, guys like him, Deshaun Jackson, you know, just the smaller statue receivers that can also return, but also are great receivers, you know what I mean? Uh, you just find a way to put that stuff into your game and make it your own. Why do you think that sometimes we have a narrow view on what returners can do? I think, to be honest, the toughest thing in football to do is catch a punt with you know, 11 or 12 yeah. people coming after you. <laughs> but for some reason, um, we don't expect returners to make an impact catching passes when they know where the ball is going to be and they only have to beat one or two defenders. Why do you think it is that it's sometimes hard to get 
out of that mold once you make a team uh, through teams? Right. Uh, it's just tough because, you, you, I mean, usually teams always have their guys as far as receiver. You know what I mean? Uh, but usually a returner is a receiver. You know what I mean? But it's more so like a playmaker. Uh, sometimes it's different catching a pass than it is catching a punt. You know what I mean? Some people can't adjust really as much or they, they're not as comfortable yet. But once you get out of that, you know what I mean, that light. Like I haven't, I haven't caught as many punts since, I don't know, like probably since I left the Cowboys, right? <laughs> once I got into a role of being a receiver, it was, it was different. You know what I mean? But once I get back there, it's, it's, a, it's a natural feeling. So You know, you've had some steps to get to where you are now. It's time with the Jets, time with the Bombers. 100%. Um, you, you know, what should people learn about that journey, that, that sweat equity, you know, that you had to put in and that journey of multiple places that you've been through to, to get this opportunity now? Uh, that's a lot, man. Just resilient, you know, just not listening to the naysayers, you know. Uh, the category as far as you said like a, ca a gadget guy uh, coming in on certain plays for me like this whole off season that year off I wanted to prove that it was more than that to me and uh, it was more so for myself you know I mean I knew I could put up the numbers I, 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 I knew it but I needed to show it right and uh, once I got you know that opportunity it was crazy like I was I've been talking to a lot of my guys and when I got to camp, I haven't caught that many deep passes ever in my life. Like, besides just playing catch with your boys. But I was in camp, they're throwing posts in and, and corner posts to me like it was no tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, well, clearly they, I mean, they believe in me. Uh, you know, I believed in myself. And I had, I think it was after Montreal game, I had caught a deep pass. But after the game, Mike was like, I knew you were fast and you could run, but I didn't know if you could catch worth a damn. <laughs> He was like, but you proved me wrong. So, like, stuff like that is just, you know, it's good to hear. That's a great quarterback, and I'm just glad I'm showing it. Yeah, and, you know, early in the year, he was having his elbow issue, wasn't necessarily always able to get the ball downfield with consistency the way he wanted, and he's certainly worked through that. So I, I can only imagine what the numbers would have been like, you know, if he was fully right to go yeah. right out of the, out of the gate. Yeah, that would have been crazy. Cause I mean, I didn't get to work with him as much in camp, if any. You know, I think he practiced day one of practice, and then it was mostly Nathan Rook in there. So I had to, you know, we just had to adjust and adapt. You know, prior to camp, uh, the Lions went and got you in, in free agency. First day. Uh, you know, so that lets you know that you're on top of their board. They certainly had some resources allocated for you and a plan for you when they got you. What was it like for you going through that free agency process and being a priority free agent for this regime? Yeah, uh, my main reason was, was Mike, to be honest. Uh, he called me. We talked on the phone for about 45 minutes. Uh, just his, his goal, his vision for the season, uh, vision for myself. Uh, he asked me what I, what I was thinking, and, you know, we kind of talked back and forth. Uh, but he pretty much was like, you're a guy that should be getting the ball at least 10 times a game. I don't know how you're going to get it, but you should be getting it at least 10 times a game. And, of course, I agreed. <laughs> uh, I mean, I, I knew his resume. I've seen him play before. Uh, great quarterback, smart. You know, just I wanted to be a part of that. I mean, I know they didn't do as well in 2019, but he still had a 1,000-yard receiver. Like, 
he still found a way to get the his, his guy the ball with him and Lamar. Uh, so I definitely wanted to give it a shot, try something new. You know, it's been it's been great up until this point. So what's the Mike Riley recruiting pitch like when he's trying to get his LeBron on? Yeah, and you know, get you to take your talents to the shores of BC. You know, what's he saying? What's he selling you? Yeah, I mean, uh, he's pretty much just told me it's not it's not many people in the league that can do what I that can that can do what I do as far as returning, uh, getting the ball in the backfield, catching the ball deep, catching it short. You know, what I mean, and, and scoring. Like, it's like it's just not many people that 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 you can that you can have that can do that. And uh, like he said, I, I, I just anyway I should have the ball in my hand. He he's trying to do that. And uh, cause I. When I was trying to sell myself, I said I just want to ball at least, you know, at least five catches a game, and he was like, "You should have at least 10. All right. So he's telling me everything I needed to hear, uh, I wanted to hear, and he was—I mean, he delivered more than delivered. So once he puts that out there, uh, now do you go back to him and say, "Hey, Mike, halftime, first half, I only had three targets. Come on, now, you said 10. Let's go. Can you hold him to that?" <laughs> I could, but I, you know, at the same time, it's 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 more playmakers out there than just me, you know what I mean. So, my plays came. I knew it was just a, whenever that number was called, it was gonna come, and uh, it started happening. You know what I mean? From week in to week out, it was a big play. You know what I mean? So, I knew it was coming. I just had to wait for it. And what's coming is more games in West that is super super stacked. Right. This year, all of the teams in the West expect to be playing in the Grey Cup. Obviously, only one can get there. You faced the team recently that was there and won it. When you look across the West and what's in front of the team and your goals, um, you know, what do you make of how competitive things have been? Uh, it's very, yeah, I mean, it's very competitive, as you said, but I mean, every dog has his day. Uh, Everybody's beatable. Uh, you just gotta, you gotta come with your A game every day. Every play is is important. So uh, you know, I just for us, we just need to rest. We got a lot of guys down right now. Uh, I mean, and that's around the league. It's a lot of key guys that's that that are down. Uh, and to winning this, you gotta have your best. We just need to rest, and you know, when I'm, when that time comes, especially the playoff time. You've got to have your hard hat on. Who are you looking at in that offensive meeting room to say, okay, I need more from you just so we're still in it. Give me enough time to get back. I'm going to, I'm going to burn him. He's been a, I mean, he's been a leader. He's been around this offense long enough. Uh, he's in, we're in the same meeting room most of the time. Well, all the time. Uh, I mean, he's, he's, he's been the guy. I'm going to go to him. Uh, we're actually supposed to meet up this week. Uh, you know, just to hang out, <sighs> talk. Um, but I'm definitely going to go to Brian, you know what I mean, and tell him we got to find a way because we got to make those plays that need to be made, you know what I mean? And and I know he's the guy that can do it. Well, this far, when a play needed to be made, more often than not, you were the guy that was doing it. I hate the fact that against your old squad, you weren't able to – finish the game and so i'm looking forward to seeing you back hopefully wishful thinking you know drink as much milk as possible get those bones to heal <laughs> you could be back uh, against calgary uh, you said you want to see them you see them 
not that long from now, uh, week 11. Right, we'll uh, see them in, uh, in two weeks. Yeah, uh, October 16th. So uh, yes. maybe you're a miracle worker and you can get back uh, in time for that one. But uh, y you will see them, no doubt, again. You also got them November 12th uh, in BC. I'll definitely be back by then. So, oh, well, you, we heard it here first, the guarantee that <laughs> lucky whitehead will be back and, and if so um we'll all be lucky for it before i let you go give us the background the name lucky where'd it come from i got it from my cousin uh came to visit at the hospital uh asked my mom i mean asked the doctor what room number my mother was in uh the doctor said they're in this room number and uh my family gets in there my aunt my cousin and my cousin says, "Where's Where's Lucky at?" <laughs> and my mom was like, "Who Who Who the hell is Lucky?" <laughs> at that at that time, and uh, he was like, "My cousin, right?" And uh, that was not my name. Uh, uh, he kind of just said it, and it's been I've been lucky ever since. I'm actually a junior, so it's been funny. I only answer I name I only name that I really answer. I'm still trying to figure out what commentator continues week in and week out to say my full name <laughs> on TV. But you prefer Lucky. Yes, 100%. Got it. Well, when you score as often as, as you do, you give lots of people the opportunity to say the name. So <laughs> uh, I look forward to hearing Lucky Whitehead back in the lineup I appreciate for the it. BC Lions. Uh, whether it's catching with one hand, body catches, yeah. or totally healthy, you, we want to see you out there. Thank you for this, and uh, speedy yeah. recovery. No problem. Thank you. So not the news we were hoping to hear from Lucky Whitehead, but still loved hearing his voice, even though naturally... That voice was a little solemn, a little down, because he's down and is going to be out of the lineup. Now, I guess it's good news that the Lions are on a bye this week. He hopes that buys him enough time to get back in the lineup week 11 as the last game of the week, Saturday night, Calgary goes to BC. That'd be incredibly fast, two weeks for two broken bones. But hey, crazier things have happened either way. I hope he's back in the lineup at some point. But you want to monitor him and his health. There's a couple ways you can do it. One, you can just follow him because he's very transparent. On Twitter, at LuckTooFast, two T's and fast, at LuckTooFast is his handle. The other thing you can do is go on to CFL.ca. Every week we have the injury reports for the two teams in every game. So if you want to see who's up, who's down, who's questionable, who's doubtful, CFL.ca is that space and keep an eye on him whether or not he's coming back in terms of CFL fantasy in the weeks to come and maybe given what we heard from him you want to be looking for Brian Burnham to get the target share that Lucky Whitehead is getting because Lucky Whitehead is about to tell Brian Burnham that I need you to step up dude so all good information from Lucky Whitehead even though the information that he's hurt to that extent is certainly not good he has a bit more time away from the field to have a bit of a Thanksgiving feast, although I suspect he's going to be eating with his left hand. But you might be eating with both hands if you go on to CFL.ca for our Thanksgiving feast contest. You can win 999 
in cash, hard cash, just under $1,000. All you got to do, make your week 10 picks for a chance to win. So go on right there and play now. And we will be back no matter if you have good picks this week or not. We'll be breaking down all things CFL for you in this space a week from now. So please listen, like, favorite, share, and subscribe. We'll talk to you next week. The Waggle, the official podcast of the Canadian Football League.